It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Week four of BYU Spring Ball underway today. What do we take away from their latest practice? We talked to their practice insiders over the week. We got details for you on that. Also, BYU Pro Day on Friday. One big star coming out of it. We'll talk about the results of that as well as a weekend recap of all other BYU sports. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys making us a part of your routine, no matter when you listen to this. I know a number of you listen to it first thing in the morning. Some of you are listening to us late in the evening. But regardless, thank you for your support of the podcast. As always, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. All right, diving right in on today's show. Let's talk about what's going on in BYU football. Obviously, the Cougars are going to start week four of their spring ball period uh, coming up this week. And it's an interesting setup for the Cougars here because they're going to finish out this week with what Kalani called his spring showcase. I'm not convinced it's truly going to be a spring game, and there's weather uh, in the forecast for Friday afternoon and evening. So if you're planning on making the trip out to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, keep an eye on that. And the weather forced BYU to alter their original plan to have a scrimmage at Lavelle Edwards Stadium this past Saturday. They had to move things indoor, the indoor practice facility also necessitating an early morning start. Uh, Talon Alfrey talking with the media afterwards said that they had their meetings uh, starting at 7.40 a.m. on Saturday morning then they had a roughly two-hour practice, I think, uh, shortly after that. And uh, The biggest thing coming out of it is Kalani Satake came out and said that Jake Retzloff maybe had his best performance of spring ball so far. And that should not be all that surprising because Retzloff has not practiced hardly at all until this past week. He had a tonsillectomy and then had uh, follow-up procedures after infections got uh, into both. Uh, it should be not into both, but he had an infection that necessitated two pr- additional procedures. So when Kalani Sataki says he has be- had his best performance, I'm not surprised by that at all. And in talking with some of our people, what we call our practice insiders here, people that are watching those practices top to bottom, they said that Jake Retzloff really, really showed out on Saturday. Does that mean that he is challenging from the number one spot? I don't think so. So uh, Keaton Slovis seems to have that all but locked up. It would take a lot, I think, for Keaton Slovis to be unseated at this point from being BYU starter this coming season. But it's good to have a guy like Jake Jake Retzloff, a guy that BYU brought in thinking he was going to be part of the future solution at quarterback after this season when Keaton Slovis finishes up his eligibility. It's good to have him starting to show out here. Uh, What I heard uh, from people I talked to about Retzloff is he showed off a live arm. Kalani Sitake said that very thing. So he's got a real strong arm. What I was told is he was unafraid of making plays in the pocket. It's something that other quarterbacks in the BYU roster right now have struggled with, and I've noticed it during the media observation periods. Cade Fennigan was the number two guy uh, going into last week, obviously due to the fact that Retzloff just was unavailable to practice. But one thing Fennigan has struggled with at times in my limited observations and those who I've talked to is his... uh, 
uh, penchant to, to jump out of the pocket or to escape the pocket when pressure comes at him. And that's one thing also. The BYU defense is making life very difficult for the BYU offense right now. They are bringing blitzes from all over the place. It sounds like Jay Hill has truly come in and completely turned around what BYU's defense is doing. No longer is it the old standby drop eight and maybe bring a blitz every now and again. They are mixing it up. They're bringing blitzes from the outside. They're bringing blitzes right up the gut. They're doing zone blitzes. They're, they're doing everything. Everything it sounds like from people I have talked to about how this defense is being designed, and it's causing issues for BYU's offense. I can't divulge who it is, but there was a player that came off to the sideline during Saturday's practice and told people that were in attendance that defense is kicking our you know what, and they use the expletive. I'll keep it G-rated here, but nonetheless, it's good to hear that BYU's defense is making life miserable for this offense right now. It means that they're pushing them. It's going to require BYU's offense to grow. It's going to require them to play better. It's going to be require them to have a better focus in practice. It's actually the iron sharpens iron concept is very much in play right now for this BYU squad. Now you can take some concern, I suppose, if you want to say the BYU's offense should be better than that and they should be able to dominate this BYU defense. But I'm going to go back to something that somebody told me last week is that the coaches that have come into BYU, speaking of the defensive coaches, Jay Hill, etc., uh, the word on the street of the people I've talked to is that they're actually pleasantly surprised with the overall I guess talent level of BYU's defense. Is it perfect by any means? No, but they came in thinking it was going to be really, really devoid of talent and they've been surprised by the amount of talent and some of the guys that have shown out for BYU during winter workouts and obviously coming into spring ball so far. So Take, take some hope in that. That's the thing about this. Is it's good to have the D- BYU defense not just rolling over and letting the offense have their way with them. It's actually a really good thing to have BYU's defense pushing them. Now, other things that I, I heard from over the weekend. Uh, they said that, obviously, the BYU defense won this uh, round in terms of practice. That actually came from both Hobbs Nyberg. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak frankly about this. He said that I thought the BYU's defense uh, beat us on the day. Now, Hobbs is part of the wide receiving core that is trying to make impressions here. What I I've heard about BYU's wide receiving cores. The top three are very, very good. Speaking of Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill, and Cody Epps, they have a nice trio of wide receivers. The problem is that there's a drop-off after that group. Dom Henry Dom, uh, has been uh, doing his thing so far in practice, but he's number four. You need five, six, seven wide receivers because when is the last time, as somebody pointed out, that BYU had an entire wide receiving core stay healthy? Last year, what, two of their, their best two receivers were unavailable for large chunks of the season. Speaking of Puka Nakua, and especially Gunnar Romney. Gunnar Romney played a game and a half. Maybe not even that. Maybe not even a full game and a half in a 13-game season last year. You need to have depth at the wide receiver position, and I can I can assure you of this. In talking with people, they are going to hit the transfer portal hard, trying to find at least one, probably two, maybe three wide receivers if they can find them in the transfer portal. They need guys to come in and provide depth and add to the core. Like I said, the top three guys, very, very good, but there's a drop-off after that, and they need to find some options in the passing game. It's good to have tight ends, obviously. Guys like Isaac Rex have been uh, used lightly during spring ball, so uh, it's not surprising on that. He just had hardware taken out of his ankle. You're not going to push him in spring ball with the thought of, oh, no, you're going to let him uh, do his thing. 
And then the one thing about Isaac Rex, he's a proven option at this point. So you can stand by and let some of the other wide receivers have an opportunity in his absence. Guys like Mason Wake have returned to practice uh, last late last week for the first time. It's good to see him out there. He's been dealing with some nagging injuries coming into spring ball. So you're getting opportunities for guys to get healthy, but also get their opportunities to go out there and get their work in. Uh, Ethan Erickson is a guy who's been taking advantage of those reps before picking up a minor injury last week. But also, additionally, speaking of Erickson, a guy that coaches are very high on, it opens up additional opportunities for the younger tight ends on the roster. Mason Fakahua, as Kalani Sitake noted during his media session, has moved to tight end. This opens up an opportunity for him. You also have guys like Anthony Olsen, who was a preferred walk-on that was very highly thought of coming into BYU's program. He's getting a chance in spring ball to show what he can do. There are other guys, Nason Coleman, etc., on down that list at tight end, that now with some of the bigger names, or I guess the quote-unquote ones and twos, not being available or not participating fully in drills, that gives them their uh, opportunity to go out there and impress Steve Clark and by extension guys like Aaron Roderick during the spring ball period. Now, let me pull up my phone find some other notes for you guys uh, based on the conversations I had with people. Um, other things, uh, Keaton Slovis is continuing to be a very, very solid if not spectacular in practice from what I'm hearing. Uh, the offensive line is to, continues to get some shuffling. Uh, one n- name that is emerging along the offensive line you should probably keep an eye on is the name Trevin Osler. Now, Trevin Osler, some of you might know, is a bountiful high product who went on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He was a guy in high school who was similar to another bountiful product in Brady Christian. Speaking of which, uh, meaning that they were skinnier guys who played offensive line in high school. BYU saw tools with them and brought them into the program with the thought that they could develop them. Brady Christensen obviously has gone on to be an NFL starter with the Carolina Panthers after being drafted in the third round after that 2020 season, after being three years of just stellar play at left tackle. Trevin Osler is coming along nicely. He may ultimately slot inside, and that's where he's getting most of his work here in spring ball has been the right guard spot. But it's very positive to hear that he is starting to make an impression in spring ball. Does that mean he's going to go into training camp as a starter at guard? No, there's no there's no guarantee of that. But it's nice to have young talent along this offensive line starting to emerge a little bit. And he's a name to keep an eye on. It's Trevin Osler, he's, he's grown up. He was like 250 pounds in high school. He's now listed at six foot five, 330 pounds. Talk about a body transformation for that young man. Now, other things that I uh, pointed out. Uh, now, Eddie Heckard, I asked about this uh, during the media portion because I had some people tell me that Eddie's really been showing out at cornerback for BYU, and Kalani Sitake said he's just been awesome. He's been a pro, essentially, in every sense of the word, coming into BYU. Uh, other things that are standing out, in addition to that, is that the kicking game, Kalani Sitake said, that had a better day, and uh, to have a better day would be, to say the least, because it's been just downright awful, speaking of the kicking game. Uh, what I was told is that right now, if they had to go into the season as currently constituted a kicker, you would have walk-on Matthias Dunn as your kicker for BYU. Justin Smith and uh, Will Farron, the guys that are uh, quote-unquote incumbents in a way. I know that Smith was on the roster last year and Farron was a guy they brought in from the transfer portal via Boise State to compete at kicker. But Matthias Dunn has apparently outkicked all of them. And I'm not saying that Matthias Dunn is the answer at kicker because he's had some pretty horrendous moments in his own right, but he's been by far the most consistent kicker that BYU's got right now. Uh, I fully expect them to use the transfer portal to try and find a new kicker this coming uh, May to find somebody that can come in and at least add to the kicking competition because right now it's a bit terrifying, the prospect of kicking. Now, Ryan Rico's been very good punting the football, so uh, I guess one side of the special teams unit is showing out there. Uh, and then the final note I'll pass along here today is that uh, BYU continues to uh, just, I think, really show that they're uh, starting to get 
a guy's healthy, but also get quality work in. I mentioned the guys like Trevin Osler. Uh, the thing about this is a guy like Trevin Osler supplanted a guy like Ian Fitzgerald, who was a grad transfer coming in from the FCS level, a guy that was expected to really uh, lock down a spot on BYU's offensive line. It shows that guys are starting to emerge and move up the depth chart a little bit here during spring ball. Like I said, none of this is going to be set in stone coming out of spring going in to summer and into training camp in August, but it's a big opportunity for young guys to make an impression. And another guy I want to mention that's making an impression, and we'll see how he continues to do that, is uh, two guys, actually. Uh, Nukuluve Halu, the running back from Tooele High School, he continues to show some pretty good things at running back. I, I'm told that he's working with the twos and threes mainly. And then also, Enoch Nawahine. Now, I, I don't expect either of them to be in the top three running backs come training camp, because I fully expected to go Aiden Robbins, uh, Miles Davis, and or Hinkley Ropati as your top three running backs. But it's good to have young guys starting to show what they can do. Luve Halu was a guy that came out of Tooele High School, was thought to be the future of the running back position for BYU. He has still got that opportunity, but it may take him a year or so to really move into that group. You also have LJ Martin coming into the program. And a guy like Enoch Nawahine, uh, he has been just a, a, a just kind of a bull when he's been out there. What I've seen, I've actually seen with my own eyes, when he gets those carries on the interior, Enoch Nawahine has been very, very good getting up the middle and just picking up hard yards. So, it's good to have depth at the running back position, but the biggest thing is the running back position will not be fully settled until you truly get into training camp and have a guy like L.J. Martin coming in from the high school ranks and obviously Aiden, excuse me, Aiden Robbins being fully cleared to participate in drills. He's been doing some of the skill work off to the side, but when they go to team formats and that type of stuff, Aiden Robbins has been unable to participate in that and waiting to see him in training camp upcoming. So we'll continue to dig around on this, find out what we can find out. A number of you actually reached out over the weekend asking about some younger players, trying to get some details on that. I'll see what I can find out for you. Uh, if you want to reach out, I'd love nothing more than to know who you guys would like to hear from, and we'll talk uh, with people and see if we can find out about them as well. Uh, by the way, also coming up this week, I had a great opportunity last week to catch up with both Dom Henry as well as Ben Bywater, two guys. Guys are expected to factor in this fall for BYU, one at wide receiver. Obviously, one probably starting at linebacker. We'll have those interviews for you in the next few days as well right here on the podcast. So stay tuned for all of that right here on Locked on Cougars. Now, also Friday, the day before uh, BYU had their final practice of week three in spring ball, they had their annual pro day, maybe the final pro day for BYU in Provo. How did things go? Well, there's at least one person who I think made themselves some money and got themselves an additional opportunity at the, at the, excuse me, at the collegiate level the NFL level, and we'll talk about who that was coming up here in a moment. First, a word on our friends over at Built Bar. Obviously, the NCAA tournament is coming down to the Final Four. Some interesting teams that have made it, and if you guys want to have your say in a bracket that besides your bracket out there when it comes to the NCAA men's basketball tournament, go and support our friends at Built Bar. They have a Built March Madness going on, which is allowing you to op- the opportunity to support your favorite bar or puff from our friends at Built Bar. I'm a guy who just recently ordered the cookie dough and grasshopper cookie bars. They're two of my favorites. You know I'm going to be supporting those in this bracket. The best part is when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you're entered into a drawing to win a, uh, 50 of our Locked On listeners win a free box of Built. Think about that. Free box of Built Bars. And the best part is one Locked On fan is going to win a year supply, a 12-month subscription of Built Bars and Puffs delivered monthly straight to your door from our friends at Built Bar. It's a great way to get some of the best tasting protein bars out there. I'm telling you guys, I absolutely love Built Bars. I crave them on the regular. And they're absolutely incredible. They're 
They're covered 100% real chocolate, real chocolate on the outside, but the macros on the inside are what's more important. So give them an opportunity. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to cast your vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your order. You can vote every day in the month of March. Just hop in and support your pick today. Get enjoy the best, and, excuse me, and get enjoy the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at Built Bar. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys' support of the podcast. You guys are really the reason why we are having the success that we are having here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. I want to encourage you guys, by the way, once we finish up with today's show, check out Locked On College Basketball. It's a great way to get caught up on college hoops, especially this time of year with March Madness rolling on. Isaac Shade and Andy Patton have got everything you want to know about the college hoops realm. You'll hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the college basketball landscape as well. So check that out. It's Locked on college basketball available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. All right, continuing on now with Locked On Cougars. BYU had their annual pro day on Friday and I, due to some radio responsibilities, was, was unable to attend, but I was tracking it throughout the day, and some very interesting uh, numbers emerged from Pro Day. Now, obviously, guys like Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, and Blake Freeland were going to do uh, drills here and there. Uh, obviously, Jaron Hall was going to put on a show throwing the ball around for NFL scouts in attendance. Uh, Puka Nakua was going to catch balls from Jaron. Uh, he actually didn't do much work in terms of like running. Uh, he ran the 40 in a 4.55 second range. That's actually not bad for Puka. He's never a guy who I thought was going to be a combine superstar and there are people out there that think that he was uh, dogging it to make himself look... Uh, excuse me, what am I trying to say? He was dogging it like thinking like that he was not going to show well or whatever. He's going to find himself undrafted. What I am telling you guys right now, based on people I have talked to about uh, Puka Nakua, is that he is a guy, when uh, scouts turn on the film, he is a guy that just stands out because he's a gamer. That's the thing about this. He's never going to be a combine superstar, speaking of Puka. He's not a guy who's going to show up at, like a Blake Freeland and just absolutely wow the scouts' his ability to run, jump, and do all these skill drills. What it is with Puka is he is just the consummate competitor. He loves nothing more than competing. Now, is he going to be an elite wide receiver at the NFL level? No, I don't necessarily think he's going to be, but I think he's more than capable of being on an active roster and contributing to an NFL team. Does that mean he's probably a day four, a day four, a day three pick in the NFL draft? Probably. I think the fifth, sixth round is probably where he lands. Now, a guy like Jaron Hall, I thought he showed fairly well out there throwing the football. I think he still is going to be kind of that early day three, the round four, maybe he sneaks into the round three conversation if a team really loves him, speaking of Jaron Hall, but uh, I think that he is uh, firmly established himself as kind of a mid-round picket at quarterback. Does that mean he's uh, going to be the darling of an NFL franchise? No, but that's not Jaron's prerogative. He's not one of the top guys. He's not Bryce Young out there. Jaron's going to be brought in to be a high-quality backup for an NFL franchise with the thought if he develops nicely enough, maybe he ends up being a starter at some point down the road. The one thing I know about Jaron is he's going to bring to an NFL franchise just a, a moxie and a, how do you say it, uh, just a, a 
I don't know how to say it. He just he's the, he's a very very welcome addition as a roster guy. He is going to be no nonsense, no trouble, uh, a maturity. That's what it is. I'm, the term I was looking for. He's just a mature individual, and that's that's not anything that any, anybody should be unexpe- should be unexpected for him. Now Blake Freeland, on the other hand, he had very good day at the combine. Obviously, just wowing scouts with his uh, legendary uh, vertical jump, etc. But his cone drills at BYU's pro day were awesome. This is a guy who continues to make himself money. Speaking of Blake Freeland. I'm hearing more and more chatter about what Blake Freeland is capable of doing. Could he end up in the second round? Potentially. He has got all of the skills that make NFL talent evaluators drool. Tall, long, athletic. He has got all of the tools to be an NFL tackle at the next level. And he is going to be a guy that is going to be hotly debated over the next month or so until the NFL draft kicks off. It's just under a month's time now from now. He is going to be a guy that I would imagine, I think third round is the floor for a guy like Blake Freeland. I'm going to have to talk to some more people after the pro day and see if I can get some more intel on him. But I continue to think that Blake Freeland is showing very, very well. Now, amongst the guys who were uh, hopefuls, speaking of BYU, guys that were hoping to wow NFL scouts and find themselves an opportunity when it comes to the NFL, there was one guy who stood out among uh, all of them in, in Pro Day, and that is Caleb Hayes. Now, Caleb Hayes always had very good size. Six foot, 195 pounds is exactly what he measured in at, at BYU's Pro Day. I think it was six foot, 194 pounds. So it's not bad size as a cornerback. The former Oregon State product uh, had a van, uh, not a, uh, I was trying to say a very fantastic I should just say, fantastic pro day. He had a sizzling 4.31 second unofficial 40 time in front of NFL scouts. Also posted the best vertical jump of pro day with 40 inches, the best long jump, 10 feet, 8 inches, the best 20-yard shuttle of 4.17 seconds, and the best three-cone drill of 6.88 seconds. It's a fantastic, fantastic showing for Caleb Hayes. At minimum, in my opinion right now, Caleb Hayes is going to be an undrafted free agent. And and if an NFL team looks at the film and thinks that the measure match up with his size and production at the at the collegiate level, most notably not having an interception in his uh, college career, at least at BYU. I think he could find himself uh, sneaking into like that seventh round period. We'll we'll see what happens. But if you want one big winner from BYU's pro day outside of Blake Freeland in terms of a whole body of work, it absolutely was Caleb Hayes. I was very very impressed with those numbers. They show his explosiveness, his ability to get up forty inches. It, you're never truly going to jump forty inches in the air as an NFL defensive back outside of going up uh, to challenge for a fade pass, a fade route, etc. But it more shows your explosion and your overall athleticism. Broad jumps, anything over 10 feet is considered to be a, a very, very good number, and 10 feet 6 is actually an elite number. So 10-8 is a very, very solid showing. Uh, not elite, not show, solid. It, it's an elite number for a guy like Caleb Hayes. So I'm very impressed with how he showed out on Pro Day, and hopefully he at minimum made himself some money. Now, other guys who showed up for Pro Day, uh, not a ton of necessarily any standout numbers. I thought Harris Chance put okay numbers up there. Joe Tukuafu, similar. Uh, Peyton Wilgar, I, I didn't uh, expect much out of him. The one guy I expected to work out that did not work out is uh, um, Lopini Katoa. Now, did Lopini decide it's time for him to move on with life? Maybe so, but for him not to work out for NFL scouts was a bit of a surprise for me because we had long snappers working out. We had Britton Hogan doing workouts. We had a kicker, Jake Oldred, uh, working out a pro day. I just wonder what when Lopini's uh, psy- uh, not psyche, his uh, thought process about not working out for the NFL. Like I said, maybe it's just time for him, he feels like, to move on with his life, but 
that was a bit of surpri- a bit of a surprise to see him not work out for NFL scouts. But nonetheless, uh, congratulations to all of these players. Hopefully, they get their opportunities to go out there and show what they can do. The other thing about this is now with the rise of some of these spring leagues, the XFL is ongoing right now. Uh, the USFL is going to start here in just a couple of weeks' time. Uh, got guys like Corbin Kafusi, Troy Warner are, are playing in the USFL. Uh, Samson Nakua also playing in the USFL. Some of these guys may get an opportunity to play in one of these spring leagues and keep their career going that way. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out as well, but obviously the first thing's first, the NFL draft coming, and I think there are four guys now that I would call hopefuls for the NFL draft. Obviously, Jaron Hall, Pukunakua, and Blake Freeland, but I think Caleb Hayes has now added himself to that mix in terms of being an NFL draft hopeful. Truthfully, I'm serious about this, he could find himself, if he continues to show well in individual workouts, like they they get brought in for the what they call these team visits. If he goes out and shows well in that, uh, and obviously aces his interviews and that type of stuff, I'm thinking Caleb Hayes, those numbers could end up uh, finding himself at the tail end of the NFL draft, but at bare minimum, he's probably earned himself an undrafted free agent deal, and that's a very, very good thing uh, for a guy like Caleb Hayes. All right. We will round out today's show with some final news and notes on BYU sports from over the weekend. And also, we continue our look back at all 155 games in BYU football history. We'll get to all of that in just a couple of seconds. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, FanDuel's been working with us for a few months now. And, of course, the NCAA tournament, it's heating up. There's no better place to get in on the action than our friends at FanDuel. They are a number America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. It's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win with our friends at FanDuel. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up now to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on anything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. It's a crazy, crazy Final Four, my friends. Uh, anybody could take this one. So, all, And by the way, all of this is available on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So get on it today. Don't miss out on your shot to win a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 back when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up now. Make every moment more with our friends at FanDuel. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at UCCU. Of course, UCCU has opened a new branch in Vineyard to celebrate their giving away a 2023 Kawasaki Terex for UTV. The new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple drive-up lanes, a 24-hour ATM, and their new interactive teller machines, or ITM for short, which provides all the benefits of meeting with a UCCU professional either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection, so celebrate with UCCU and enter to win that 2023 Kawasaki Terex for UTV. The winner will be announced in April, but the entry deadline is just days away, my friends, at March 31st. So just days for you to get that entry in to win that 2023 Kawasaki Terex for UTV. Stop by UCCU's new branch in Vineyard or enter to win at uccu.com. There's two ways to do it. Hurry. Best part is you don't have to be a member of UCCU to enter, and there is no purchase necessary. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Can't thank you guys enough for your support of the podcast as always. Now, as we round out today's show, wanted to uh, catch up on some other uh, standout performances from this past weekend in BYU sports. Uh, BYU softball, unfortunately, was rained out from their games. They're actually headed down to St. George today to take on Utah Tech. It'll be a 4 o'clock start. There's a live stream on the BYUcougars.com website if you want to tune in and watch BYU softball play. Uh, There's actually a very interesting story. Haley Morrow is 
is a converted second baseman for BYU softball who is now playing catcher for BYU, and she was tasked with moving to catcher during the preseason. BYU apparently, and I was reading the story from Dave McCann at Deseret News, I don't mean to get off on a tangent here, but they have had four catchers, by my count in that story, go down due to season-ending injuries. Two of them back injuries, one a shoulder, and one a, a broken elbow or a fractured elbow. Crazy, crazy time. So BYU softball making do with a converted infielder playing catcher, but hopefully they can have a good showing down there against Utah Tech today. Now, BYU baseball did split their doubleheader they got in on Saturday. Uh, Tom Homo put out the call on social media to have people come down and help shovel the field. They got it melted off and were able to play uh, both games against St. Mary's. They split the twin bill on Saturday after losing their opener on Thursday, 11-8. Uh, BYU lost the opening game on Saturday, 6-4, but then bounced back with a 4-3 win uh, to uh, avoid the sweep at the hands of St. Mary's. It was uh, Jacob Wilkes' line drive walk-off scored take gamble for the win in the uh, nightcap for BYU. Uh, the baseball team will be back in action today. Travel to UV, uh, UVU tomorrow at UCCU Ballpark. Game is scheduled for 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, weather in the forecast actually shows that it should be fairly clear so hopefully they can get that game in. It's just been an absolutely brutal spring. All of us know this. I have been jonesing to play some golf and the fact that I have been unable to do so, uh, I've only played once so far this year and it was uh, quite a chilly uh, nine holes. I would encourage you guys to get out if you can but it's just crazy, crazy times. Now the other thing I wanted to talk about is BYU softball. They're now 10-0 and on the season at home after beating number 7 Pepperdine back-to-back nights on Friday and Saturday night in five sets. Fantastic wins for the 8th ranked BYU men's volleyball program. As I mentioned, they're now 10-0 on the season, uh, really limiting uh, Pepperdine and grinding out some wins here. It's actually a fantastic showing for BYU. Their 8-match homestand continues with two outings versus USC this coming weekend. Those will be on uh, 30, the 30th and the 31st, so this coming Thursday and Friday if you want to check that out at the Smithfield House. But BYU volleyball uh, bounce back season in a big way for BYU this year. Alright, final things before we go on today's show is we continue our look back at BYU's 2014 season. We've been grinding through these all offseason long. It's part of our way to count down towards the beginning of the Big 12 era and also BYU's football season this fall. Uh, BYU obviously was coming off, uh, last we talked, was coming off uh, just a rock bottom. They hit rock bottom in the 2014 season with a loss at Boise State on Friday, October 24th. Now they came back uh, with a, a renewed, I guess, sense of uh, I guess an opportunity to go out and show themselves. They were making a trip to Middle Tennessee. Now, uh, Middle Tennessee is one of those things that I remember this was a game people were like, why in the world is BYU going to Murfreesboro, Tennessee? Well, Beggars can't be choosers, and BYU was trying to put together as good of schedules as they could during this era of independence, and you made the trip to Middle Tennessee, but I can tell you this much. This game, speaking of the Middle Tennessee game, was a game that showed BYU fans will show up literally wherever. BYU football plays. Uh, this was one of the games that proved that to me. Now, I knew that BYU traveled well, but I was wondering, okay, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, it's kind of literally in the middle of the state of Tennessee. It's why it's called Middle Tennessee State. How good will Cougar Nation show up? And they showed up in mass. I, there were thousands of fans that showed up there at Middle Tennessee. I, I have a cousin, actually, who lives down in the area. He had actually messaged me before this game saying, hey, I'm going to go to this one. Are you traveling out to it? I'm like, I unfortunately am not going to this game. He actually made the trip over to Middle Tennessee, and he was absolutely astounded at the showing for BYU fans in the stands. The good news uh, also for those fans who made 
made the trip is BYU bounced back with a 27-7 win over Middle Tennessee State. The Cougars were 4-4. Four and four. They were really scuffling. They scuffled their way through a winless October. And they started the month of November with a solid, albeit unspectacular, win. Christian Stewart passed for 316 yards and two touchdowns. Jamal Williams, though, was the big loser in this, if you want to call it that. As Jamal Williams uh, led BYU in rushing with 49 yards, but then suffered a knee injury in this game that Bronco Mendenhall said after the game was going to cost him the rest of the season. Just an absolutely brutal loss for an already uh, scuffling BYU team. You lost Taysom Hill a month earlier. Then Jamal Williams goes down to a season-ending injury. It just it was one of those seasons you're like, man, what could have been had these guys stayed healthy? But all, all things considered, it was good to get BYU back into the wind column down there in Murfreesboro. And then the question was going to be, okay, can you follow that up? Can you get back on a little bit of a roll here? Well, when you have a bye week after this trip to Middle Tennessee State, you're able to get back home, uh, figure out what you're doing in the absence of Jamal Williams, get Christian Stewart some extra work finally with a bye week on uh, November 8th. And then they would come back for a home game against UNLV at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And we'll talk about how that went down as well as a game against Savannah State, the following week after that in our next edition of Locked on Cougars. So there you go. You were caught up on everything you need to know about BYU from the weekend that was in BYU sports. Now the final thing I need to get out of the way here. Uh, Today is March 27th. Now March 27th is my anniversary. Uh, Today is the day I celebrate eight years being married to my wonderful wife, Megan. She's going to hate that I did this. I'm actually putting it at the tail end of the podcast to see if she actually truly uh, watches the entirety of it to then get mad at me about this. So don't tip her off if you guys happen to know Megan. But I just want to say, she is the reason I'm lucky enough to do what I do. Uh, she has never known me not to be doing sports media. We actually met during the 2014, excuse me, the, during 2014, and the 2014 football season, which we just talked about that Middle Tennessee game, was the first season she really experienced what my life is like as a media professional. I'm at practices, I'm at uh, press conferences, I'm at games. I I am as busy as anybody out there when it comes to football season. And you know what? I was convinced. I'll tell you right now, just, just the moment of vulnerability. I was convinced that she would go through that football season and say, yeah, I I, I can't deal with this. It's good knowing you, but good luck. I seriously thought that going into that football season. But to her everlasting credit, she stuck with me. She has dealt with me working crazy hours doing morning radio. We met the same month I started working with DJ and PK. And coming up uh, here in just a few weeks' time is actually when I started working with DJ and PK full-time on the KSL Sports Zone. She has been an absolute trooper. We have two kids together. It's so much fun to have somebody like that around me. And truthfully, she is the backbone that allows me to do this podcast, allows me to do my radio gig allows me to be uh, what I am in the sports media world so just want to issue a public thank you and a happy anniversary to my wife Megan and like I said I am interested to see if she actually watches this because she'll be she'll be just destroying me <laughs> if she knew she knew I, I'm doing what I'm doing but nonetheless a big thank you to all of you and I guess happy anniversary to us speaking of my wife Megan but, but thank you to all of you for your support of the podcast as always hope you guys are all doing well out there um, thank you for making us your first listen now go make your second listen our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast get caught up on all things Big 12 with Josh Neighbors. It's available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts just like this show. And until tomorrow, my friends, have a great one. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.